And that was the moment where I decided that I wanted women to experience this. And frankly, it was more than that. It was, I was in the locker room with Devontae Freeman. He was about to sign the most lucrative running back deal in the history of the NFL. And at the time, I was the best running back in women's football and no one had ever even given me socks, let alone $49 million. <laughs> Can I get a hoodie? <laughs> Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there. And plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, happy Halloween, everybody. I hope you are ready to trick or treat in your very best on-brand costume. I am completely ready, and I've already test-driven my costumes at a couple of parties because, of course, as a Hollywood showman, I will be showing up as Malibu Ken from the Barbie movie and potentially as Anna from Frozen with my husband dressed as Elsa. So make sure that your costume tonight is fabulously you and uniquely on brand. We've got another spectacular show for you today. My guest is O.J. Jenkins, a successful tech business executive, the CEO of Bonfire Women, and the founder of the Women's National Football Conference. But before we get to OJ, let's talk a little bit about your brand. Now, this past week, I had the pleasure of being invited to the premiere party for Fellow Travelers, which is a spectacular new streaming series from Showtime on Paramount+. Plus. Now, it's based on the novel Fellow Travelers, which is really this epic love story and a political thriller that takes place during the McCarthy era when he and Roy Cohn were declaring a war on subversives across the United States. Now, I love Matt Bomer, so of course I had to start streaming and go to this party. But when I walked into this event, which took place at a club in West Hollywood called Delilah, I was literally taken back to the McCarthy era of the late 1940s in a complete supper club environment. And you know what it really reminded me? It reminded me that great brands are really about creating a great experience. You know, it's one thing for you to document your great brand attributes and those declarative statements of your why and your brand foundation, but at the end of the day, it's not 
pen to paper. It's really all about how you show up, how you act, how you lead with your brand, and how you create experiences that are memorable for folks. Now, let me tell you, I was transported into this old-time vibe where the bar was covered with, you know, lush cocktails, and all of the servers were in tuxedos, and there were people walking around with fabulous martinis. There were these old radios, and even, surprise, surprise, they had matches on the counter as if any of us smoke anymore. There was even a fabulous old-school telephone booth that, of course, I had to pose in. But it wasn't just like the setting and the ambiance. It was all about the experience and what happened because they had these amazing performers. They had a drag blues singer with a four-piece band singing the blues away, and I literally felt like I was back in this Cold War type of era. And then they had this amazing violinist who actually just got up and was riffing, standing on top of one of the centerpiece columns of the entire club, and it was all dark and rich colored and textured. So that's my question for you. What is the brand experience that you're creating? It's not just about how you decorate your office and how you dress. Of course, you want to make sure that your actions and your words are creating a memorable experience for people. Remember, you can interact with folks, but you can be forgettable or even worse, invisible. So make sure that everything you do from the choices of your environment all the way down to the way that you interact with people screams uniquely you and on brand. Well, I am super excited for today's guest. It is O.J. Jenkins, who is a successful tech and software as service business executive as the CEO of Bonfire Women. And they're also the founder of the Women's National Football Conference, known as the WNFC. An in-demand global speaker and coach, O.J. is also the founder of multiple nonprofits. She is a recognized market leader in B2B and SaaS tech. DEI and team dynamics with multiple years of executive leadership experience in privately funded startups and Fortune 1000 public companies. OJ previously served as the president of the e-learning company M-Train and served for several years as an executive leader at Your Cause, a startup that helped to revolutionize the corporate social responsibility industry. As a disruptor in sports, OJ has built one of the premier sports leagues in the country, creating opportunities, inclusion, and equity in football for women and girls. She was an inaugural participant in the NFL's first women's career in football forum and is one of the first women to obtain the coveted Bill Wash diversity internship in an on-field position as a running backs coach for the Atlanta Falcons. At 72-2, OJ is the winningest head coach in women's tackle football history. She is a Hall of Famer, a seven-time national champion, a two-time USA football team captain, and a three-time Team USA gold medalist. We'll be back in just a few moments with CEO of Bonfire Women, OJ Jenkins. 
For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I have an amazing guest with us today. It is OJ Jenkins, the CEO of Bonfire Women and the founder of the Women's National Football Conference. OJ, what is going on? Uh, you know, everything. I am so lit on how you said, and I'm gonna, like that just and. <laughs> That had me going. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Well, because you have done so many things, it's like we could we could rattle off. And I know everyone's looking at your your full uh, bio in in the show notes. But you know, OJ, let's jump in and tell me. I know that in your work, you're constantly meeting people. You're going out and you're working rooms, whether they're virtual or in person. How do you introduce yourself to people so they know who you are and what it is that you do? Yeah, I I generally say, hi, I'm Odessa Jenkins. My friends call me OJ. And my whole purpose and mission in life is to accelerate equity for women and girls. I do that in the workplace through my work as the CEO of Bonfire and on the field through my work as the founder of the Women's National Football Conference. Wow, I love that you actually just go out and say what your mission is. And it's all about creating equity. So here's the thing I have to ask ask you, OJ, is like football and like tech and software as service feels like very different things. So so tell me, how does this like amazing tech genius also turn into this amazing like coach and footballer? You know, there are so many similarities between sports and technology, football and tech in particular. And it's the it's that it's so unpredictable. Mm. Um, I love it when things are not easy. Right. Like call me a glutton for punishment. I don't know. But I like to figure things out. And I think that's probably the thing that 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 binds. And then also technology can accelerate equity and access mm. so quickly where other things can't. And sports does the same thing. It, these two things bring people together like nothing else can, like culturally access wise. So I think that's why they both make sense for me. Um, and then I just, I, I love sports. I am a football person, but I also love creating through technology and startup mm. businesses. So you do what you love. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when you look back over your career, what have been some of the big breakthrough moments that helped you to level up to where you are as a CEO? And by the way, the winningness, sorry, the winningest head coach in women's tackle football history. Yeah, you know, I was for about a decade, I was in healthcare technology where it's like, doesn't sound like an exciting industry, <laughs> but that's where I got my bones just mm. in the everyday hustle, 20 hours a day, flying over internationally, like really learning how to do things. And at the same time, I was becoming an athlete and a professional athlete. And so I think because those two things happen at the same time where I found the startup world and I found the business of sports really mm. at the same time. It was a turning point for me. I, 
uh, decided that I was going to do something else, get out of healthcare, do something that was more impact based. I'm sitting on a uh, on a beach for the first time in Hawaii, my first vacation, and Matt Combs, the founder and CEO of Your Cause, which was the first startup that I got into, called wow. me and said, "Hey, I need somebody to help me scale this business." At the same time, I was I was playing in my first tackle football league, so that was a turning point for me because two of those things happened at the same time. Yeah. And so talk to me because I know there are so many people out there that are like, I I make a good enough living. I'm good at what I do, but I just don't love it. I don't really feel it's my thing, but they're super hesitant to like take the leap. So talk to me, OJ, what was going through your head and how did you make that decision to say, I got to take a leap and do something different, even though I'm great at what I'm currently doing? I think it was the inspiration that I had around me, particularly from strong women. Mm. My mentor at the time was is a woman named Don Sherman. She's still a baddie. I don't know if I can cuss <laughs> on here. I almost said bad beat. Um, you can cuss. You, we can be a real. Be real. Uh, but she's 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 a president right now, still a CEO um, of an amazing um, drug company. But at the time, she was a VP, and I totally looked up to her. And the one thing that Don always represented was do what you love. She loved what she, she loved yeah. flying all over the world, creating joint ventures. And I was so inspired by her. And I was telling her like, hey, I'm good at this. I can make a lot of money, but this is just not feeding me, right? Mm. Like I don't really enjoy coming to work. And it was advice from her and, and from my, my mom and my family that's like, you're an inspirer, you're a builder. Like you're not somebody who's supposed to be sitting behind a desk mm. and watching her and listening and watching her be successful that's the other thing, like watching someone be successful using all their gifts yeah. was really important. So watching Don be successful and listening to her saying, girl, look, you're going to be successful no matter what you do. Don't let don't let some company try to define you and uh, march you up some ladder like you're going to be fine. So that yeah. gave me courage. Yeah. And so so you kind of make this leap and you go and help scale a business right now. How at the same time are you kind of like balancing having a very real job at a startup with doing the whole football piece, which is both mentally draining, but also physically draining? Yeah, you know, it's natural. It was natural for me because, frankly, um, sports gave me all my superpowers, right? Mm. The ability to operate in the team, um, the, the willingness to have tough conversations, the willing to lead from wherever you are, like all these things team sports taught me. So it was always natural to use my sports gifts in, in the corporate space. And yeah. so I've been an athlete my whole life, grew up playing football, basketball in South Central Los Angeles with my cousins, my brother, uh, Xavier, and my, my, my cousin Lonnie. And I was always the girl running around. And so at the time when I went to your cause with Matt and started to start understand the startup business was the same time that it was the first time that I ever played organized football with other women. I didn't even know it exists. Just like most people listening here. Exactly. I didn't know that women had been playing tackle football for decades. And so for me, it wasn't even a question on whether or not I was going to do this very tough job, but also follow this amazing path that I thought wasn't even going to something that could 
be available to me. Yeah. And and so then you're like the inaugural participant in the NFL's first women's career in football forum, which is like I'm just thrilled that they have that, right? <laughs> um and and then you're you're like a running backs coach with the Atlanta Falcons. So talk to me, how does that happen from like, hey, I'm playing in a league or I'm out there doing this to like now I'm like really with the NFL, right? It's wild. So I started. I started at this start in the startup. Six years later, um, we are doing really, really well. We scaled mm. the business. It's you know two hundred percent growth. We raised capital. You know, we went from twenty clients to five hundred clients. Like I'm doing my thing, right? Yeah. At the same time, um, football becomes more important to me. I play on the U.S. national team. The, the 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 startup be, starts to embrace the idea that they have a professional athlete that's also bringing in business for them. <laughs> so it wasn't a big deal. Well, but in 2017, the U.S. national team goes off. We, we win a gold medal. And that is the year that the NFL also decided, you know what? There are women out there that know about football because they're playing it. Yeah. And so they started to go and find women who might become coaches. Myself, Kali Brownson, Jen King, Jen Welter, Katie Sowers. These women might not be people that you know, but these are pioneers who are now the first. Jen King is the first black woman to ever be a full-time position coach in the NFL. Jen Welter was the first woman to coach in the NFL. Katie Sowers was the first woman to coach in a position. All of these women played football yeah, together. And, and in the Super Bowl, right? That's yeah, where Katie in the Super was, Bowl, right? Katie, I mean, that right? was huge. Exactly. So it's massive. Well, in 2017, um, I got, I was lucky enough to, to, to go to the Bill Walsh Diversity Internship. And while I was in the NFL, I saw the opportunities that were provided to men who played football at the highest level. Mm. And that was the moment where I decided that I wanted women to experience this. And frankly, it was more than that. It was, I was in the locker room with Devontae Freeman. He was about to sign the most lucrative running back deal in the history of the NFL. And at the time I was the best running back in women's football and no one had ever even given me socks, let alone $49 million. (laughs) Can I get a hoodie? (laughs) And so I never wanted a woman to feel what I felt. And so I thought, I don't care if I'm going to have to run six businesses at one time, Mm. if I'm going to have to work in tech to fund this dream, but two things are going to happen. I'm going to get this bread and use my gifts to lead. And at the same time, I'm going to advance women in the sport. Wow. And that was the birth of the WNFC. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about the WNFC today. Yeah, so now, five years later, the WNFC is one of the fastest-growing sports leagues in the world. We have 16 teams in the U.S., 900 athletes, athletes from 21 countries that play um, tackle football. We just launched flag football on the heels of of the announcement by the IOC that flag football is going to be an Olympic sport in 2028. In our hometown of Los Angeles. Thank you. In the city, baby, let's go. Um, But yeah, so uh, five years later, companies like Adidas, Dick Sporting Goods, Riddell Sports, and this is out of nowhere. This is, women play football for a very long time, but the business of women's football kind of did not really get off the ground. And now, you know, as a result of our efforts and others, five years later, people know 
about women's football and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that is so amazing. And now at the same time, you are also the CEO of Bonfire Women. So tell me about, you know, you, you know, you're doing this dual thing, right? You're on the field and you're, you know, in the boardroom at a startup. How is it that you were able to become a CEO of an organization? Yeah, you know, I think being a CEO is hard and you have to be one of those people who are one, you have to have the skill set and and have proven leadership. And I think I've done that over my career. But the other part is you have to be willing to take responsibility for all of it. The good, the bad, the vision, the execution. And not many people, many people want to make CEO money. Yeah. But not many people want to own all of it. Right. Mm. And have to be responsible for making sure the right team does the right job at the right time. So I think that's how. But how I came about on Bonfire was actually um, an amazing um, mentor of mine, um, Peter. Um, shout out to Edge Growth Partners, um, EGP. <laughs> um, I was actually doing some work, some consulting work with a private equity firm after I, I, I and, and evaluating companies and got introduced to the founders of Bonfire. And I was looking for another company to lead. I, while I founded and still did a lot of work with the WNFC, my wife actually quit her full-time job at Charles Schwab being a dope product manager and was running and is now running the Tackle League full-time. So I, I you know, she's doing her thing. And so, <laughs> she's following her passion, right? I'm like, you're living your dream. Um, and so it was just a very natural thing for me to look at at what the mission of Bonfire is, which is equipping women on the rise with everything they need to go lead in the workplace. I was still so passionate about affecting the workplace for women of color, the LGBTQ plus community, people like me. Um, yeah. And so when the opportunity came to lead Bonfire, help scale it, help bring it nationally, uh, I couldn't. I couldn't say no. Yeah. And now you talked about like, not everyone wants the actual CEO burden of the buck stops with you, right? So for you, what was the biggest thing you had to work on or change or kind of develop when you stepped into that CEO role after years of, of being a leader in companies, but now truly all bucks stop with you? I think the biggest conversation that I had to have with myself and frankly, that others had to have with me. Um, my aunt Sandra is one of my, my biggest mentors and, you know, it, it was that you can't do it all, mm. you know, as an operator prior to being the CEO of Bonfire as a president of a company, a COO of a company. And so those are the operators, like as, as awesome as we think CEOs are, you're the team, the cabinet, the squad of the CEO yeah. are, are really the ones that get, get it done. And so for me, the biggest conversation that I had to have with myself before taking on the role at Bonfire was that you can't always be the doer. You, when things aren't going the way you want to, you have to delegate and trust yeah. your vision and trust the people, trust your squad. So that's, I think it's important for a CEO to understand that, but that that's applicable, applicable to anyone at any point in their career. Yeah. And now you talked a little OJ about sort of those lessons you learned on the field that helped you in, you know, the corporate world. What are some of those corporate world skills or lessons that you learned that have actually helped you on the field? 
Um, <laughs> the <laughs> biggest, the one of the biggest corporate war things is I'm going to go back to my time at your cause. Yeah. And I'm sitting in a boardroom with um, my, my, my buddy, Dustin Jost, Jost like toast. He was, he was leading sales, um, at the time. And we were talking about like, there, these are all the things we're going to do in the company. It's going to be amazing, right? Just the same vision that you have as an athlete or a coach on a football field. You're going to do all these things. you got a great plan. And Dustin was like, who's going to pay for it? <laughs> I'm like, what's you talking about? He's like, no, no. What's the budget like? I'm like, well, yeah, you know what? It 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 takes a dollar and a dream. Mm. And I think in business, you get discipline on how to be efficient with your resources, yeah. especially your money. And you, you never lose sight of the fact that it takes dollars and resources to make the thing happen. And I think the passion that we have in sports sometimes, especially women's sports, yeah. is we don't hold ourselves accountable to it takes a dollar. Yeah. Everyone in the ecosystem should know that we're going to have to pay mm. to get where we need to get. And I think that's a great lesson that I learned in business that, that I now get to apply to this emerging sport. Yeah. Yeah. Now tell me, when you were a kid growing up in L.A., what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, I wanted to own the Lakers. I wanted, uh, I, I wanted to own the Lakers. I wanted to be Jerry Buss. I wanted to be. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to be sitting next to Kobe, you know, talking about his next contract. And and then when Jeannie came along and started to say, I wanted to be Jeannie. I didn't want to date Phil Jackson, but I wanted to be <laughs> Jeannie Buss. Um, but yeah, it was. I, I but it was. You know what's wild is I always had this dual dream. Like I. Growing up in Watts, when we used to play, you know, school or play work or play church, I was always the one in the boardroom doing the presentation. And so even <laughs> even though I had this great sports dream, it was always important to me to lead in business because I want I want people to see that you can lead authentically. You can be a bald head, dark skin girl from Watts and you can still get it done in the boardroom. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your brand, OJ. Give me three words that you would use to describe brand OJ Jenkins. Three words to describe brand OJ Jenkins. It's probably hard nose inspirer. Ooh. So I love that heart-nosed inspirer. So talk, so I'm I'm so interested in this because I love that I always think that like great brands have duality in them, right? And so mm -hmm. here you have this like hard nose, right? This hard piece and then you have inspirer together. So talk to me, how do you show up as both of those things at the same time that's kind of uniquely you? I think there both things come authentically from my nature and my nurture. Mm. I am a girl from South Central LA from the streets of Watts, right? And so I think that raised me to be solid, mm. to be, and when I say hard nose, I don't just mean aggressive, I mean generous and not afraid yeah. and you know what I mean like really not afraid of the world standing strong in who I am yeah. and what I do but at the same time 
the inspiration probably comes from my family and what I got to see of the world, right? Yeah. So I went to school at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo where 1% of people were like me and yeah. I got to see so much, like, so culture shock. My family is very much into entertainment and in the church and all these things. Yeah. So it was all about inspiring each other and being a part of a team. So I think my nature and my nurture come together and make that hard nose inspire um, someone who's authentically rooted in themselves and not afraid of it. But at the same time, I want to bring people along with me. Yeah. And so talk to me, how has that evolved for you over time? Now, I know you've all, you know, you're, I love that you use that nature and your nurture sort of led you to be this hard nosed inspirer, but how have you changed maybe the modulation or the or the delivery of that, knowing that you're in like drastically different places, right? Like who maybe needs to show up in a boardroom may be different than sitting on an NFL field, which may be different with, you know, a sponsor or an advertiser that wants to sponsor something in WNFC, right? Yeah, I think for me, you know, people like folks who, who win bet on themselves, but can also make space to be in the room with them. Mm. And, you know, RBG has one of the best quotes ever. Yeah. She she talked about, you know, lead in a way that makes others want to come with you. Mm. And I think that I don't ever show up with my representative, whether I'm leading in a boardroom or coaching on a field or talking, you know, talking to a, a potential sponsor. I don't ever show up with my representative, but I also I, I do show up with my story and a, and a real story has different pieces and has different parts and has softness and has hardness and it has all those things. So I think I don't show anything different. There's just different parts of my story that might show up depending on the environment. Yeah. And I love that you kind of opened that you introduce yourself as saying that you're on a mission to create equity for women and girls. Where did that come from? And how were you able to sort of crystallize that into something that you can just like declare that for people and that can be just a guiding principle for you? You know, when I think about my greatest gift is I know why I'm here. Mm. I think the one of the hardest things we find as humans is to answer that question. You, 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 as soon as you can think, you start thinking about why am I here? What group am I a part of? What's my tribe? And I think that I so easily spew out my mission because it is always, and I do, right? I'm like, it's all right. But I think it has just always been apparent um, that I am sort of a superhero for women. Like I never let anyone doubt themselves or doubt the power of girls and women. And maybe it's because I've always been the only girl in the room, like yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so that authentically happened. And then I just, I want to fight for something. I'm a fighter. And so when I think about what I want to fight for, I want to think, I want I wanted to fight for the thing that was true to me. And so I think that's where it comes from. I just am so rooted in the experiences I've had as a woman and frankly, what it does to benefit everyone. Mm. It's not just about women. It's about impact. Yeah. 
Yeah. When, you know, the, we, the, the reason I love the work we do at Bonfire is because we have this all rise mantra and it's not like a cat call to women. It's actually a call to everyone to say, listen, not, Hey, we can give you this data all day that says that the more women that lead, the more, the better, the more revenue your company yeah, the has, outcome. the more engagement you have, the more out, the better outcomes you have. I, I mean, you can read that all you want in Fortune and Forbes and Harvard Re- Business Review. But the truth, of, the truth of the matter is it also makes the men next to her better. Mm. Right. So we're not just talking about ripping opportunities away from others. We're talking about giving out, giving opportunities to everyone. And I think that's another reason why. Um, accelerating equity for women and girls is important because we we need to have a fire lit under us in this world right now. Yeah. Well, and of course, you went into like the easiest places to impact that, right? Technology and professional sports. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> but, but OJ, seriously, I, I know there's people that struggle with what is my mission, you know, their whole life. You always felt that way. When was it that you were actually able to kind of put pen to paper or like just be able to say it that way and and know that that was something that you you could go out and say no matter what context you were in I think it actually came a little later than most would think I've always been willing to be deal with the consequences of life. My mom had this great saying, don't wait till the battle's over, shout now because mm. in the end you're going to win. It's an old gospel song and she used to sing that song and they sang it in my church. And I think those kind of sort of mantras being spewed into me that was, that were all about hope and about dealing with consequences and saying, it's all right, you're going to be okay. That built confidence in me. So I think there's some confidence that was rooted in me um, that allowed me to be kind of more definite about my purpose. But also there was a moment, my, what am I, uh, our company had just got acquired and I was doing my first interview with the new company and I won't name names, but I can't name names. But, uh, <laughs> we're was, protecting the we're guilty and the innocent. But I was sitting with an executive and this executive told me, hey, you're brilliant brilliant executive but if you want to truly get where you want to get where you want to get with your career first of all he didn't even know where I wanted to get but if you if you want to get where you want to go in your career and I think he just assumed that I wanted to get where he was um you're gonna have to stop this football thing because it's a distraction to us right to people like me and he was just giving me some truth like we were in a safe space yeah and that was about eight years ago, and not not that long ago, actually, probably like six years ago. And that was a moment that was a turning point for me mm. because what it made me do is double down on how often I talk about my mission. I was that made me actually because you either cower to that what someone else thinks your path should be, or are those moments make you elevate? And that was a moment that made me elevate and made me go, you know what? He might be saying that to someone else. So I need to get really crisp on what my mission is and keep saying it and writing it. And every time I got an opportunity. So I think that was another sort of kick to, to get more clear about my mission. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting. I love that that feedback was, it's a distraction to me. It's not actually a distraction to you doing your right. It wasn't like you're not getting stuff done because you do this other thing. It's like, it's Couldn't. distracting to me that you have another element of your life. Right. Couldn't say that because I'm a top performer. Couldn't say that. Cause I'm, I'm bringing these numbers. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you can't, that there was no way to look at the data. It could, it could only be like, 
I don't understand that you can do what you can do. Therefore, it distracts me. Doesn't it distract you? No, sir. (laughs) That's wild. But I love that you chose to like, right, elevate. And it's interesting how sometimes those moments, like we get really crystal clear on like what it is we need to do. And it's like the complete opposite of what they intended, right? Yes. Yeah. And I think clarity is a gift, right? When you know, you know. Yeah. And and some and it's just like in football and you know, it's this beautiful sport, but things happen in nanoseconds and you have to make decisions. And once you know you're making a decision, you go make it. It's very similar, a microcosm for life. Yeah. And now that kind of brings me to my next question, which is, you know, you're very authentically you, you're very uniquely you. And we're not ever always everyone's cup of tea. So how do you handle those situations when like who you are just it, it's just not doesn't work for other people? How do you handle that? Well, I think there's two things. One, we have to, you know, I'm, I'm a 43 year old woman. So my experience today was not my experience 23 years ago, I think, you know, or 20 years ago. I think at that time I was still very confident and had to find ways to pour into myself. Mm. But today I'm not here to impress you. Mm. Right. Like that isn't my goal. I'm not here to, I'm here to bring, breathe life into any room I come into. And if that doesn't work for you, I respect it. Right. Like I think arrogance and ego, you kind of learn how to put those things to the side when you're truly confident and you walk into a room with generosity and grace. And I think for me, I walk in not thinking of impressing anyone or what their reactions are going to be. I just try to walk in as authentically and humbly and as generous as possible. And I let the I'm okay with all of the outcomes. I'm a. I'm okay with all of the room not being okay with me. I'm like, I'm I'm really good with that. And so I think the best advice that I would give someone else is think about the worst outcomes and and become comfortable with that. And you'll be comfortable walking into any room as, as, as yourself. Um, I think that those, those things are things you learn over time and, and through mistakes. It hasn't always worked out for me. I think it's, lost me some opportunities, but I've never lost anything that got me to where I wanted that, 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 that stopped me from getting to where I wanted to be. Yeah. And you, I love that you said you have to walk in with generosity. How do you put that into practice? You know, you walk into a room with maybe people you don't even know. How do you bring that generosity? I love humans. I really do. And I always assume positive intent. Mm. And so I think when I assume positive intent, I'm ready for anything. Don't yeah. get it twisted. I stay ready. <laughs> I stay ready so I don't have to get ready. But I always assume positive intent. I assume that the, the way that I want it to go is the way that it's going to go. Mm. But I'm ready for whatever. And so I think that's how. Cause I, cause I'm always 
in a positive mind frame and I make it my decision. Positivity is a decision. And the decision that I always make is, hey, I'm about to walk in here and make the weather for myself. If so, if I shake someone's hand and they give me a, a limp hand and walk away with a stank face or I come new, you know, I walk in and there's executives and everyone's got on a blue shirt and a black jacket and I have on an orange suit and that offends someone. I, I'm ready for that offense and I just have to be prepared to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I want an orange suit. I'm jealous. I got one if you need it. <laughs> well, OJ, we could talk all day. I have a couple of fun questions to sort of close us out. So we were talking a little bit about your brand. What brand are you obsessed with as a consumer? What can't you live without? Oh, and uh, you know what? This might be so nerdy, but Canva. It's actually a tech product. Um, So anyone out there that actually is in business, small business, entrepreneur, they they probably jumped out of their seat when I said that. Anyone who's in fashion probably was like, what, girl? Um, But Canva is this amazing um, graphic design product that basically makes anyone a graphic designer in the nanosecond. And it is change business. So that's the brand that I'm obsessed with right now because... It has a female CEO. It is a unicorn. And frankly, it's changing the lives of a lot of women in business. So, well, yeah, I mean, and it's like literally enabling people to do what they would normally have had to spend like thousands of dollars on a graphic artist. Right. Yes. To create stories and all of that stuff. I love Canva. Yes, Canva is it. And so when I think about brands that I get obsessed with, it's not, you know, what am I going to walk in the room with? It's like, what is changing the world? Mm. Um, and that that that's the kind of stuff that changes the world. Yeah, it's the shared values. Now, if OJ Jenkins was a type of car, what type of car would you be? I would be a Porsche Taycan. Ooh, and why? Um, you know, fast makes room for it's got room for everybody um it's sexy because you know because you know. <laughs> you've got that orange suit hello um it's uh it's 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 it, it it's probably rare but also comfortable mm. and i think that's important Ooh, i love that now finally oj what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners Be resilient. Um, You know, I think resilience is something that is really hard to to come by these Mm. days. I think a lot of people are giving up on themselves. A lot of people are letting what's happening outside um, stop them from chasing dreams, from chasing roles, from chasing titles. And Folks are afraid to afraid to get popped in the nose by life, afraid of failure, and you let failure knock you down. And so the best career advice that I could get is learn how to handle when things don't go your way, because that is a cheat code. Mm. It really is. Resilience is going to be something that you can lean on um, to get your to pick yourself, to peel yourself off of the ground, to do it for yourself is a gift. And so I think in your career, if you're going to if you're going to put anything in your toolbox, it's uh, it's practice resilience. Mm. 
said wisely from someone off the football field to the boardroom. We've got to be resilient. Well, OJ Jenkins, it has been spectacular having you on the show. Tell us if folks want to learn more about Bonfire Women or the Women's National Football Conference, where should they go? Yes, to all the businesses out there, bonfirewomen.com. We would love to be a part of your leadership and development journey and equip your women on the rise with everything they need to lead um, in your companies. That's bonfirewomen.com. And then WNFC Football, everyone go follow on all socials, all channels. The season starts in April, so you got some time to pick your favorite team, your favorite athlete, the whole thing. (laughs) Awesome. Well, it was so great having you on the show, OJ. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. We should hang out on the weekends. We are hanging out. We're LA kids. (laughs) Um, And I'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. What an awesome conversation with O.J. Jenkins, the CEO of Bonfire Women and the founder of the Women's National Football Conference. You know, O.J., I could just speak to her all day long because of her amazing energy. But what really stood out to me from our conversation was the fact that O.J. could just come straight out crisply, honestly, and confidently sharing her elevator pitch and her walk. I cannot stress this enough. You have got to make an amazing first impression, and that's what OJ demonstrated for us so beautifully. You've got to be able to easily convey to people what you're worth, what's your value, and ultimately, how can you be in service of them? That's why when I talk to people and they ask me what I do, I simply come back and I say things like, you know what, I am on a mission to help people. People like you find your true brand voice and bring your best self to work every single day. And if people are curious and ask even further, I might come back and say, hey, I'm a personal branding expert, a diversity advocate, and I'm a keynote speaker. You can have a variety of different ways you introduce yourself, but make sure that you say that in a confident way that makes people pause and say, you know what? Tell me more. You want to immediately engage people because that's all about creating your uniquely branded experience. Well, that's our show for you today. Have a safe and fun Halloween as you're out trick-or-treating. Make sure you check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms. And give me a connector follow on LinkedIn. If you direct message me with a question or a comment, you might just show up in one of our future episodes. Make sure you're following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll bring you a brand new show every single week. Now, most of all, and most importantly of all, in your career and in life, don't be a boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure you are a super premium brand like Starbucks. Starbucks.
You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.